Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at 61010. I've made one mistake in my life. I should have burned Berlin down. And now the drugs are slowly wearing off. And your smile looks more like a frown. I give you freedom, you are alone. And a sensational Super Bowl Sunday to you. I am Jim Fannin. We are here live every Sunday, noon to 2, for the Jim Fannin Show. Right here on the One Voice. For Niagara, 610CKTB. You can listen to us online, 610CKTB.com. And you have your digits. Additional ways that you can interact with the Jim Fannin Show. Tweet us. At 610CKTB. You can add me in there too. At Jim Fannin. Facebook wall has everything politics up on it. If you send me a press release, you will get rechirped, retweeted, or reproduced. Catch me on Facebook. Coming up on the show today, the Jim Fannin show continues. A hard act to follow with X-Prime being live last week in David Jones's booth. Thank you, Jonesy, for running around getting these guys all mic'd up. The Black Flies are in Jonesy's booth at 12.15. And for the rest of the show, when we come back from a commercial, we'll have live local music coming from Jonesy's studio here at 610. That will not suck. So we've started a tradition here that's going to be hard to follow, but if you are a local act and you do not suck, then please send me your demo tape or get a hold of me on any way that we've mentioned. So that's coming up all show today. Live bumpers from the Black Flies. And we'll have an interview with them at 1.45. We're going live till 2 o'clock today. Keithio Manzia. Mwanzia, sorry, brother, is in the booth with me. He is the policy director for the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. We've been chasing these guys a long time. Thank you very much for getting in the booth. We're going to talk trade, exports, go train, green tech, anything you want to talk about that is business-related in the Niagara region. Keithio is here representing the GNCC, and he will take your calls if you have any. We know from previous shows, if the interview is going well and the host is doing his job, you don't need to call. So step back from the phones if that's what you feel like. If you want to get in and want to ask a question, Keithio is available here. We'll do a couple segments with him. Mike Balsam is in the studio as well. You may know Mike Balsam from Laura Secord Secondary School or from Kojiko TV where he's not doing a debate for the by-election for the the candidates in Niagara Falls. Thank you very little. We had a few people step up to the mic and say, yeah, I'm in. 
Morocco, and Maeve said, yeah, we're kind of busy. Damn, last time I ran, I had 13 debates. And we didn't say no to any of them. I think it was Birch and myself and Dykstra and was it George Addison for the NDP? That was a long time ago, 2008. Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not going to touch too much on that today. Maybe tomorrow I'm in for Tommy 9-12 to as he takes a day of rest after what used to be, for me, the most important day of the year, Super Bowl Sunday and American Thanksgiving. And this year, I'm working both of them. That is a realtor. As a show host here on 610 CKTV. So we're packed today. We've got a lot of time for your calls if you have any. And David Jones tells me that my son, the Hurricane, is actually going to get a check for this song running right now. Is it SoCan? SoCan says to us, okay, we need to know who you're playing, what song it is, and we're sending these guys a check for royalties. Got any ideas who you want to get a check today from SoCan? 905-688-2582. This is 610 CKTB. This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at I am Jim Fannin. They are the Black Flies, and they do not suck. If you don't suck and you want to get on the show, send me an email, jimfannin at gmail.com. Keith Yo is in from the GNCC, the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. Keith Yo, thank you very much for taking the time. Let me get you a mic up there. Are we good to go? Yes. I there we go. Thank, thank you, you, my friend. Uh, tell me a little bit. I got in touch with you this week after you uh, sent us a press release regarding exports. Tell me what your plan is and... Where you want to go with it? Yeah, so the, uh, the the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce launched the Niagara Exporters Council. Uh, uh, it was launched. <clears throat> it was launched this week. Part of uh, part of why we uh, did that is because we saw uh, three three key opportunities. One, if you look at the Great Lakes region, um, it's a it's a vital driver of uh, North America's economic output. And when you look at the number of small and medium sized enterprises that are actually engaged in export activities. Uh, Ontario-wide, you're looking at a, approximately 7% of SMEs that are involved, small and medium-sized enterprise that are involved in in, uh, in the export market. You know, for us, being a border community and having the connection to, you know, whether it's Western New York or Erie, Pennsylvania, uh, we've always thought that there's a real opportunity to connect uh, businesses in Niagara with export opportunities in um, in the Great Lakes region but also engaging them with uh, interprovincial uh, export opportunities. So, uh, you know, we, we look at the, the oil and gas um, extraction that's taking place in Western Canada, and is there an opportunity for Niagara manufacturers to be part of that? 
we look at the mining extraction taking place in uh, in um, in uh, northern Ontario, and is there an opportunity for Niagara manufacturers to be part of that? So diversifying the sort of total manufacturing output uh, for Niagara vis-a-vis the uh, the export opportunities, both interprovincial and uh, cross-border and within the Great Lakes. So some of what we've seen as, as the key challenges for small and medium-sized enterprise that are export-ready, they've got the money in the bank, they have the capacity to actually uh, engage in the export market. But some of the challenges that we've seen are, you know, a limited, um, sort of, sorry, uh, limited connectivity to supply chain opportunities, limited knowledge of how to access uh, working capital to finance exports, uh, lack of familiarity with, um, you know, exporting compliance procedures. So the export, the Niagara Exporters Council will uh, be able to provide both the educational uh, expertise uh, as well as the uh, resources to get Niagara's SMEs into the export market. Uh, it's really quite exciting. I mean, we look at the the dollar being the the, the lowest it's ever been. Did that foster this kind of uh, initiative? That because now we have a declining market, and it's a good time to jump on the export. Uh, well, I mean, it, it didn't. It, it was uh, you know the the Exporters Council has been uh, has been something that we've uh, worked on for some time. Um, you know, for us, uh, as, as, a, as a chamber of commerce, for us, the uh, relationships are really everything. And so we've worked for many years on building relationships uh, cross-border. We've spent time uh, being quite strategic. Uh, so the chamber of commerce is a member of the, actually a founding member of the uh, Council of the Great Lakes region. Uh, we're part of the Great Lakes Metro Chambers Coalition. Uh, we have a, a concerted focus on... Um, um, advocacy cross-border related to marine transportation, um, agriculture, agri-food, logistics, manufacturing. And so we've spent some time building relationships as as an organization and doing the sort of organization-to-organization organization, uh, relationship building, the organization-to-public-official and business uh, uh, relationship building. And now we're at a point where uh, we're going to pivot all of that into providing opportunity for the membership which is to say we have the expertise cross-border, we have the relationships cross-border. Let's transform this into an opportunity for uh, for those uh, Niagara businesses that want to jump into the export market. And, and by cross-border, I guess you mean cross the international border and cross the provincial borders as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's really it's really both. I mean, it's uh, it's actually all three. So, you know, of course, international would be, would be quite valuable. But the way that we look at it is... Uh, the first opportunity for Niagara businesses to jump into the export market is, should be within the Great Lakes to start right. with. Um, you know, one must dip their toe into the pool at least. Okay. Uh, once they dip their toe into the export market in the Great Lakes, uh, generate a solid deal flow amongst, um, you know, uh, you know, 100, 100 units a year, let's say. Uh, then at that point you can you can start thinking about the international markets. You can start thinking about uh, anything beyond that. You know, for instance. You look at uh, China and India, where uh, their minimum unit order is 100,000 units, um, and that might be the entire capacity that some manufacturers here in Niagara do in an entire year. So, you look at uh, you look at at uh, the, the the order size and the capacity for Niagara manufacturers on their own to uh, to, to service that order, and um, and it takes some time to actually build to that point. You know, a part of Part of what we're doing with the Niagara Exporters Council is getting Niagara manufacturers together. 
So, um, you know, mm. sitting in the same room. So filling a, an order size of 100,000 might not have to be done by one firm. Perhaps collaboratively, three firms, three manufacturers in Niagara are able to uh, fulfill an order of that size. Well, what do you think the potential here for impact on businesses financially? Do you have a an idea what this initiative might be worth as far as uh, promoting and, and tapping into a market that we might be missing by not being unified and, and solidified in our positions? We've always talked about uh, growing Niagara uh, 10 jobs at a time. Um, and The GNCC? This is, I mean, that, that's, all, that's always been a part of our modus operandi is, right. um, you know, it's going to take... Um, you know, it's going to take a, a job at each GDP-producing firm in Niagara, so approximately 7,000 firms. So is that your your practical application where we're not going to, you know, go for the whole shoot and match in the in the, in the the first draw, we just go 10 at a time? Is that scaling back only to, just for practical reasons? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's more it's more looking at the North American market and seeing sort of the reality of it, right? It's... Uh, uh, you know, as a as a chamber of commerce, we look to our members and say, you know, our fifteen hundred members and say, how can we assist you? You know, what what is the advocacy that we can do? What is the service provision that we can do to have you add one job to your uh, to your profile of uh, of jobs? Um, and that and that's part of what this is. This is this is uh, this is an, an export opportunity. So this is expanding the market that Niagara products will be able to uh, sell to. This is expanding the opportunity that uh, Niagara businesses will have. Um, and the the Exporters Council really is saying, you know, here is here is a, a an untapped market opportunity. Here is an opportunity to to leverage uh, relationships. This is uh, this is this is something that the Chamber of Commerce can uh, help you with in terms of jumping into the export market, whether it's uh, leveraging our research capacity or leveraging our advocacy capacity uh, when it comes to uh, regulations and co- and cross border issues, uh, whether it's leveraging some of our services. It uh, it really comes down to how do we advance you to the next level uh, as, a, as a member of the Chamber of Commerce? And uh, the, the great thing about it is that we've actually had great response from, uh, from our membership that are saying, indeed, this is something that we've thought about. We've thought about uh, jumping into the export market. We know that we can do it. We know that we're export ready. Uh, we're just uh, we're, we're searching for the, the, best av- uh, the best avenue for it. And, uh, you know, for us, like I said, our relationship with all of those organizations and the, you know, Buffalo Consulate Trade Office uh, cross border, all of those things allow us the opportunity to to to, to make the connection for our uh, membership uh, effectively. Keithio Mwanzia is my guest. He's with the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. He is the policy director with the GNCC. Appreciate your time, Keithio. Uh, Steve Cook and I, I said to you off air before we went on talking Go Transit. Uh, here we finally get the mayors all together, and they say, "Bring Go Transit to Niagara Falls." We got Diodati standing literally with a bag full of money at the end of the Go Line, the proposed Go Line, with four what forty-five million bucks a year he gets from the uh, OLG, which is a whole other thing. I don't want to touch on how we tax um, sickness by the <laughs> the addicts that go to our OLG spots. Uh, but here we've got. A, a very willing uh, council of mayors saying, "Hey, bring ga- uh, Go Train to Niagara Falls." I think Go Train to Niagara Falls is the end goal. A little bit frustrated, and I ripped on Steve Cook by saying, "What the hell is your problem, Grimsby? 
Come on, Grimsby. First, you, one day you get the mayors coming out saying, bring it to Niagara Falls, and then you geniuses come out, and I've accused you guys of not building consensus before, and come out and say, no, no, West, West Niagara is fine. So now, I did say that Steve had a great argument by saying, Jimmy, this is not how government rolls. They don't give you $400 million to come to Niagara Falls, especially when they're giving you $400 million for a South Niagara, quote, South Niagara hospital, really a Niagara Falls hospital, because they'll tell you in, in Niagara Falls, we're not South Niagara, or at least that's what they say in Fort Erie and Port Colborne. Uh, tell me about uh, a little bit about the decision to rationalize your ask from go and say, oh, hang on, let's get it here first, let's move it here with a plan, and then let's move it down the road as the plan develops. Right. Uh, a few things. I mean, of course, uh, of course, uh, Niagara Falls is South Niagara. I, I, I certainly believe that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, geography sort of speaks for itself. Uh, and the other part about... Um, you know, ga- gaming gaming is is an important uh, node in a network of attractions in Niagara. Sure. The uh, the 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 go pieces is actually uh, quite interesting. I, I mean, I, I I noted it as uh, it's interesting that that um, that 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 you you uh, engage in a bit of a debate on it. Um, I noted it as probably one of the first times that we've actually seen some solid regional consensus mm. on on a particular issue. I would agree with that. Uh, you do have um, the municipal heads that said, uh, "Go to Niagara." Really, was 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 their was their release? Um, you know, they had indicated that uh, it was important for go to Niagara Falls. You mean it was important for 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 go train commuter train service to be prioritized for Niagara, and we saw that happen. Um, what the business community did vis a vis uh, its uh, its release, which I'm sure you saw, was to say. Let's begin with uh, West Niagara and have a solid plan that takes us to Niagara Falls in the long term. Uh, and so, so uh, as I had mentioned to you, I said, you know, whether it's go to Niagara, sorry, whether it's go to Niagara where West Niagara is the commitment in, in 14, uh, and then St. Catharines is the commitment in 15, and then Niagara Falls is, is the commitment in 16. Uh, you know, that is the type of timeline that the business community uh, is, uh, is saying, well, Let's start with West Niagara and have a solid plan that takes us all the way to Niagara Falls because ultimately, uh, you know, go to Niagara Falls is an incredible priority. The uh, So th- th- that's the first piece. The second piece is that when uh, you look at any of the go conversations that have taken place in any community, Toronto, Hamilton, uh, Guelph, Barrie, at each of those points, you've had municipal leaders say X, and you've had the business community jump in and say, here's the meat on those bones. Um, so, yes, you know, let's bring it to this place for this reason. Uh, and then the business community jumps in and says, the meat on those bones means uh, plan X, Y, Z, plan one, two, three. Uh, and uh, that's what you've seen happen here in Niagara. So really, I mean, we're 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 duplicating a best practice that's happened in other communities. That's that's been and that's successful typically to bring them there. practically the way the government usually rolls it out is that's bit right. by bit. They don't come with the whole bag of money all at once. So that's right. And so you know, we've uh, when when we build the value proposition, um, that's one of the things that we look at. Keithio Mwanzia. That's a mouthful. Keithio Mwanzia. Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce Policy Director is in the booth with me. Mike Balsam is in as well. We'll do another segment with Keithio after this break. This is 610 CKTB.
is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at I am Jim Fannin. My gratitude to Black Flies for doing the intros. Sounds lovely, boys. Well done. Keithio Mwanzia, GNCC policy coordinator, is in the booth today. We have talked about trade, exports. We talked a little bit about green, or sorry, go. Maybe we'll get into some green tech, their idea on green tech. But first, Keithio, tell me a little bit about your plan for getting the business community together. I know you, you, you've merged or, well, we've had lots of discussion over what happened when you guys created the GNCC, the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. wasn't so successful from the standpoint that you brought in all the other chambers. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I'd love to see the business community uh, solidified and come together and have a Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. So there's no other Chamber of Commerce in Niagara. Maybe that's a pie-in-the-sky uh, uh, ideal, but I do support the concept. Don't support it as far as governance goes, as, as you know. Uh, I like decentralization, but from the business community's voice, I see a real need to speak with one voice. I see the real need to stop the duplication of these economic development centers of 12 municipalities and the region, so 13 entities that could be merged into one so that we have the resources and uh, we're not tripping over each other. So tell me a little bit about the plan to bring in, you know, Welland, Port Colburn, Fort Erie, business minds and Chamber of Commerce is into the fold of the GNCC? Well, I mean, there's... um uh, the uh, the the creation of the the uh, GNCC and and the subsequent votes to merge um, you know the small business council the St Catharines Thorold uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, Women Niagara Win. Next yep. Niagara um, you know that that's all unfolded over the next uh, over the last uh, few years uh, when it comes to the uh, other chambers of commerce uh, in Niagara there's approximately I think there's there's eight of us in total okay. Um, you know, for us, uh, we uh, are a, re- a regional business organization uh, that, um, you know, we've got uh, 1,500 uh, members. Uh, and growing the, quite rapidly now. Growing, growing rapidly. Um, you know, from, from across Niagara, really, we have, um, we're the, the largest business organization, of course, in, in Niagara. We're, we're actually the third largest chamber of commerce in Ontario. Um, so for us, bringing uh, the other chambers of commerce uh, in into the fold really is uh, alignment on our advocacy strategy. Uh, and each year we issue a, an advocacy plan it's, uh, approved by the board. 
uh, and, uh, and, and this year we'll, we'll be doing the same. Uh, and each year with our advocacy plan, what we do is ensure that we have alignment with each of the uh, business organizations that are in Niagara. So it does take some time for us to, to say, well, you know, you have priority X, and here's how, as a Chamber of Commerce, we can work with you to achieve priority X. Uh, and um, at this point in time, that's really the way that we'll uh, continue to to move forward uh, with trying to align our, our, our strategies. Uh, there really is one uh, way for us to approach business advocacy. And uh, having more people uh, in that fold is, um, is, 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 has been, has been the, the, uh, the, one of the, the strongest ways for us to move forward. Ultimately, though, uh, you know, we have a membership to serve and we work very hard to, to serve that membership. Uh, we have a business community in Niagara to serve and we work very hard to serve that business community. So for us, the value proposition of the organization is our capacity to strongly advocate, our capacity to provide marquee events um, and and services that help better connect the business community at all levels, both large and small. Uh, and that that's our modus operandi. Um, you know, the opportunity to collaborate and be cooperative is uh, is great. Uh, but we really have a membership that we serve, and and we work very hard to serve that membership. Uh, our advocacy plan becomes a, a significant tool for us to uh, uh, bring other organizations into the fold and, and work well with them, and we've done so. Uh, I look to the state of the region, um, which uh, which will be taking place in in April, where uh, all of the business organizations in Agra have come together to to have the state of the region address, which will be done by by Chair Gary, Gary Burrows. Uh, I look at that as one of the primary um, initiatives where we can say, well, you know, look, we, we've gotten together, we've uh, developed a, a, uh, a common agenda on specific initiatives, and we're executing this marquee event together. Um, you know, there, there, there will be other opportunities, whether it's key uh, advocacy initiatives. You know, of course, on, on Go, uh, we um, uh, provided the information and the press release to uh, the other business organizations in the community, and we said, you know, we are going to work together on this. This is going to be a three-year potentially um, uh, period where we're working together on a singular initiative alongside with municipal uh, municipal heads of government, mayors and, and regional mm-hmm. chair, right? So, Now, when I came into the Niagara Association of Realtors as a board of director, uh, we had merged as Niagara Falls, St. Catharines, and Welland. And I think successfully, our, our membership, uh, I think there was a... Uh, a passionate discussion. I think we had some opposition from maybe Niagara Falls, which is just a smaller community, and for some reason didn't was afraid St. Catharines was going to come in and take over Niagara Falls. That didn't happen. So we, I think we are a success story as far as a merger. But when I get to the board of directors, I looked at, and around the table and I said, uh, do we belong to the Chamber of Commerces? No. Well, why not? Well, I don't know. Well, how many are there? Well, there's eight. Well, I move uh, that we join them all. And so as the Niagara Association of Realtors with a 1,000 members who are active in the community and certainly have their pulse on the economic activity, uh, you know, as far as selling houses and businesses and, and commercial properties, it was a great move for us. Now, we got different responses. I think Niagara and Lake said, well, you, you can join, but you can't come to any of our events. Uh, St. <laughs> Catherine said, uh, you know, you can join and you can vote and you can come to our events. And I think it was it was different all over. But the the need, and we're cutting a check still now to eight different Chamber of Commerces, and I'd love to see that, you know, 
come in. So what do you think the other chambers are looking for as far as value goes? What's the pitch? What's the sell to them? You know, because they have jobs to look out for. They've got administrative administrative positions, GMs, that will lose their position and rightly so their paycheck, too. So what do you think the sales job would be to get those guys on board to say, you know what? Yeah, we're better off being under the umbrella of the GNCC. You know, ultimately, those decisions are not... uh are not up to uh, you know I'm 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 a, a member of staff at the Greater Niagara Chamber. Ultimately, those decisions are made by um, you know boards of directors. Now that, that is are, a great answer. That are, I love uh, a staff member that can say, you know what, that's not my place. The board runs the show, well, and I, I've been guilty of pointing the finger at you guys and going, no, all the advocacy comes from the GM and then gets approved, rubber stamped by the by the council. No, 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 no. We have a we have a very active board. I mean, our our, our board of uh, directors is elected, right? I mean, our mm-hmm. we have a we have a, a competitive election for our board of directors. Uh, and they take their job very seriously. I mean, you look at um, you look at how the St. Catharines Thorold Chamber of Commerce merged with the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. That was a mem- that was a vote by the membership. Uh, mm-hmm. So ultimately, uh, you know, uh, the the staff is is out of the equation uh, when it comes to deciding on this, because the businesses that are members of the various chambers of commerce decide on what the future of those organizations look like. Um, in the case of St. Catharines Thorold, they voted uh, by about 92% to merge the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. Um, you know, in the case of the other uh, chambers, it'll be their membership and their boards of directors that are representatives of that membership that will uh, ultimately decide about what the future will look like. Uh, for us, like I said, it's for us to continue to, to uh, prove a value proposition to our membership of 1,500 uh, that um, that we that we get up and and, and work on every single day. Uh, ultimately, the businesses will decide what um, what the the future of the the, the business community and and the way in which we're represented will look like. Thank you very much, Keithio Mawanzia is the policy director for the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. He's in studio. We'll take your calls. We got a t- couple texts. We'll get to one o'clock. Mike Balson's going to come in for a couple segments at least. I think I have Consulman coming up too, Fabian. Reese, winemaker and viticulturist at Konzelman, will be in. We're going to talk all things wine and especially what the hell is going on with this cold weather. How many vines are they losing out there? This is 610 CKTV. This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at 610-10. Oh, well, five, five, five's on Time and time again. Well, let me tell you, well, I, well, I tried to.
Jim Fannin. Welcome back. Live every Sunday noon to 2, and occasionally we'll have a hot rock and roll band to come in as well. Thank you to the Black Flies and last week to X-Prime for coming in, playing live bumper music. Keithio Mwanzia is the policy coordinator for the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce. I'm joined with him. Also, Mike Balsam is in the booth. We have a text message here from an old, reliable listener. Andy P. So thanks for getting in, Andy P. Uh, it's a little long-winded, which uh, doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Coming from Andy. In the Chamber's latest press release on the $11 minimum wage, the headline called for uh, uh, called the move a, quote, setback. And yet, in the first sentence of the release, the Chamber claims to be, go- quote, guardedly optimistic, end quote, about the increase. Which is the increase, Keithio? A setback or a a reason for optimism? It can't be both. It seems like the Chamber is playing two interests by taking 180-degree different views in the same breath. It's membership in the governing provincial liberals. Can we hear one position for chains and NDP? Interesting. I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I listened to that question with uh, recognizing... Uh, the individual that uh, that is has um, has actually sent it, and and I, I appreciate his uh, his enthusiasm. Uh, I think uh, at the onset, uh, the the Chamber of Commerce, of course, is a is a, uh, a nonpartisan organization. Our our primary interest is the business community and and serving our membership. So that's pretty partisan, though. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I suppose we are we are partisan about the business this community and serving right, the interests of, uh, <laughs> of our membership. Of course, I guess. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, so the the uh, the press release that we did issue, we we indicated that this would be a setback for um, for the employment outlook. A few reasons why uh, the uh, guarded optimism uh, about uh, this particular um, uh, framework for minimum wage was that it's now going to be depoliticized. We've been calling for the depoliticization of setting minimum wage for a number of years. Um, so C- so it's it's now going to be tied to CPI, con- the Consumer Price Index. And that takes it out of uh, sort of the political whims of each year uh, setting minimum wage. There's nothing worse for the business community than uh, not having certainty about the, I would agree uh, with that. the uh, about labor cost. So therein lies why uh, there is optimism and why we said moving forward this has some uh, value. The setback that we indicated was that we're looking at a seven percent increase at eleven dollars. We're looking at a seven percent increase on minimum wage that will begin as of June of this year. When you look at approximately so the 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 sectors in which you have the biggest component of minimum wage are retail, leisure, and tourism. That just happens to be about 35% of Niagara's um, uh, economic workforce, about 55,000 jobs. Um, So now we have a 7% increase across the board uh, for employers as of this June that'll take effect. Uh, And that's going to be something quite significant to, uh, to, 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 to manage. You know, I know that they that that uh, uh, some of what we saw said, well, you know, uh, thank goodness it's not fourteen dollars uh, mm-hmm. as some of the groups were calling for. Sure. But when you look at Niagara, uh, we had the economic crisis of '08, we had the uh, Western Hemisphere Travel Initiative that required passports uh, to come cross border that impacted our tourism uh, with a decline of about twenty two percent. Uh, you have uh, people that are uh, traveling less and spending less in our hotel, leisure, and retail, not to mention the cross-border shopping. So 
uh, a seven percent increase uh, in labor cost will have a significant impact on uh, the business community, particularly when it comes uh, for this year. You know, businesses are able to plan uh, for uh, costs over uh, a period of time, but we're looking in the next six months they'll have a right away seven percent increase in their labor cost. They might not have a, a seven percent increase in business right. this year. I mean, you know, you're looking. Uh, conservatively, probably at about a 3% increase. So your take would be this could possibly cost us jobs or cost us businesses based on their bottom line shrinking because of the the labor cost being increased. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, I think it's really interesting that, you know, we've declared that the Chamber is, you know, an advocacy group for business, uh, but the social aspect of it, I mean, Tom McConnell, I've batted this around quite a lot, and strangely enough, he, he, he indicates to me that the guaranteed annual income is actually a very conservative-minded thing. Milton Friedman started that a long time ago. So I wonder, can is there a different route about going around this by giving people enough money to stay healthy, not punishing them when they go to work? Uh, you know, there's some people that don't work because they want the benefits. So we could take UI, we could take welfare, and we could put it all under a guaranteed annual income to make sure that people aren't hurting, aren't going to the hospital, aren't, you know, going to black market or crime. And then uh, rather than increase the minimum wage, give them a guaranteed annual income so that we, we have social, like, I mean, does the chamber see itself as an advocacy advocacy group for social change as well? You know, I mean, part of, uh, part of that social change is just, uh, is ensuring that, that, uh, you know, businesses thrive and do well. And, and like I had mentioned, uh, at the beginning of this, which is, you know, growing the economy 10 times, t- excuse me, 10 jobs at a time. Uh, when it comes to uh, the minimum wage and its capacity to uh, lift individuals out of uh, poverty, um, when you look at sort of the, the 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 menu of options, policy options to actually uh, lift individuals out of poverty, the top of that list is actually education. Mm. Um, so simply, uh, you know, increasing the minimum wage uh, in X Y Z fashion uh, isn't sort of uh, you know done and done. Silver bullet now yeah. taking care of it is uh, because minimum wage doesn't mean much. Go ahead, Mike. Well, if, I, you, I, if you don't have jobs, my, my point uh, that I wanted to uh, to bring up uh, something I read in the Globe and Mail I think uh, earlier this week, an analysis of actually who is working at that minimum wage, mm. and those people tend to be the people that aren't the main breadwinners in that home anyway. So Which is it? very different than what you see in the States, because the, in the exactly. States, you have all, I mean, seniors working at, at McDonald's. You don't see that here in Canada no, much. not to the same extent. So with an increase in the minimum wage, will that really do anything to alleviate poverty? I think that's a great point, Mike. You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it, um, it, it has a, a certain uh, political uh, savvy, if you will. Um, about and everything's uh, about politics right now with the governing liberals, and sure. we got by-elections going on in two communities, well, I mean, and I, a I, general I, election slated to possibly come up soon. You can't right. you can't talk about any policy that's come out in the last three weeks or the last month, even. That's not political. That's not political. But no. I, but that, that is that's that's sort of characteristic of of minority governments, uh, mm. and and is is uh, sort of endemic of our of our uh, political system. First whenever, past the post. Whenever we, I, yes, I, I know <laughs> that there there are some arguments uh, for and against, but. Uh, when you look at, at uh, a minority government, uh, you will always see um, sort of a, a, a marathon of, of politicking. Uh, the, the, the thing with the minimum wage, though, is, you know, the, of course, the Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce made a presentation to the minimum wage panel. A number of business groups made uh, presentations 
uh, agricultural uh, mm-hmm. groups that will be significantly impacted by this. Uh, and and the the presentations were, were had a common theme: uh, don't play catch up. We already have one of the highest minimum wages in Ontario, in excuse me, in North America. Uh, there is no need to say, okay, now because we we haven't raised it in the last uh, uh, few years, in the last two years, three years, uh, we need to play catch up and bump it up significantly. Uh, the decision that came out uh, clearly demonstrated that they did bump it up. They went from 10.25 to 11. Uh, and that, like I said, 7% increase when mm-hmm. businesses have likely not seen a 7% increase in business. They might not have 7% in their margin, in their budget. So, Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Keithio, I really appreciate your time. Coming up is Mike Balsam. Keithio, you're welcome to hang around. Balsam's going to talk Thank music. You. We'll talk some politics. Talk about Kojiko's lack of a debate and then by-election in Niagara <laughs> Falls. This is 610 CKTB. This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at Welcome back. I am Jim Finn. Black flies do not suck. Catch them locally. They're coming in at 145. I'm going to talk to them live. Put a voice to the voice and the band. I am Jim Finn, and we're here every Sunday, noon to 2. Mike Balsam running my video for the behind-the-scenes look. Jimmy, i got to tell you, I love what you're doing, bringing these bands in live in the studio. I yeah. listen to you most Sundays, whenever I can, and uh, giving a lot of exposure uh, to some of these local acts. And uh, These guys today are just fantastic. Black yeah. Flies, amazing. Not amazing bad. talent. Jonesy is doing a lot of work behind the scenes, and I appreciate that very much. Thank you for being an engineer and a board op today, Jonesy, including what we call... Uh, Phone slap, actually, screening the calls and screening out you lame callers that haven't called today. 905-688-2582. Mike Balsam is my guest right now. We'll go a couple segments with Mike. Mike, you're a teacher over at uh, Laura Secondary, Laura Secord Secondary School, and also a media personality, so I appreciate your time. I know well, you're thanks busy. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Inviting Tell me about the kids, man. Well, we're up to about uh, 800 students uh, at Laura Secord now, and okay. um, we're running a couple of uh, programs out of there that focus on the arts. Uh, we have what's called a specialist high skills major. 
um, which is a bundle of courses in a program, and our board runs a number of them. There's um, SHSMs in construction and technology and business. What specialist? Specialist high skills major. High skills. Okay, I thought so you said it's high something, schools. Uh, it came down from the Ministry of Education a few years ago, and it's it's basically a package of courses. It includes cooperative education, which is important for me. That's one of my roles at the school. So the students take a package of courses that relate to a certain sector. In the, right. in the business community. Okay. Ours is the Arts and Culture, SHSM. So we have students who are involved in dance, in drama, in music, and uh, the visual arts as well. And um, there's no audition process, uh, per se. And uh, as a matter of fact, sometimes we look at kids who are already in our school in grade 9 and 10 who have shown an interest in taking a mixture of these courses already. And uh, we ask them, would you be interested in this? And we counsel them into it. And when they graduate, they get what is called a a red seal on on their diploma and that red seal is is recognized across ontario as you know someone who has specialized in that area okay now you specialize in the arts uh, specifically i'm drawn to the music obviously my connection with wayne wright and dsbn goes right to billy sadler winning the role for his role in uh one of the roles the lead vocalist role in sky's the limit what a great amazing kid um i I first i taught billy in grade nine okay and uh, he was this kid who had so much respect and hair for his teachers and this curly hair (laughs) and this raspy voice which as you know i can probably appreciate because uh, i have a little bit of a raspy voice myself Uh and um he just he had this singing voice that immediately just knocked you out Mm -hmm. and uh yeah the dsbn when that uh, came up uh, gerda clausen our uh, arts consultant for the board held auditions uh, throughout uh, the entire board and uh, billy won the uh, won the prize of being able to sing lead on that Mm -hmm. uh, michael wainwright song and uh, it it just you know really it just hit the fan uh we're up to almost seven hundred thousand views on youtube and it's just incredible it's a great story Tell me about what you got coming up in the arts community uh, coming out of Seacourt. Well, before I get there, I, I, I did say that there's a couple of programs that we run. I also want to talk about the DNA program, okay. which um, is also part of Laura Seacord's arts focus. Uh, it's uh, basically the District Niagara Academy of the Arts. And mm. uh, for that particular program, it's not the SHSM. It's a separate program. Um, but it's a program whereby students do have to audition or in the art world, in the visual arts world, uh, bring their portfolio. Okay. And uh, these students are expected to, you know, basically meet certain minimum standards to be to become a part of that program. And uh, I'm sure you're old enough to remember the movie Fame yeah. and uh, the subsequent TV show. Sometimes walking through the halls at Laura Secord is a little bit like that. You, mm. uh, you see all the dancers in the halls, and uh, they're practicing their dance moves. Uh, you see some singers out in the halls um, practicing something that they're going to have to uh, you know, sing in front of their teachers and their fellow students. You also see some amazing instrumental talents. A young guy named uh, Corey Krakowski. I've watched this kid play a cello, play a double bass, uh, mm. pick up a guitar, pick up a, a, a violin, and start. Uh, someone brought a banjo into the school. It may have even been Corey's. Uh, this guy can uh, can play any stringed instrument. You're, you're talking about uh, Joel Levchinsky is another kid. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be mentioning names, but he's in the band back in the days with uh, okay. Billy Sadler and Joel. Yeah, they're going to be in kid. here soon. He can uh, he can pick up a saxophone, uh, you know, any stringed instrument. Again, he's just an amazing drummer. So we have these uh, such such talented kids at the school. It's it's unbelievable. Sometimes you you have to shake your head. And I've been at the school 16 years, and every year the talent gets better and better 
and better. Tell me about the culture when you have a school like that, and you've got to be recruiting from other schools very easily from the standpoint that they can't offer what you're offering in the music and the arts and the drama programs. Tell me about the, you talked about walking through the halls and it being a little bit like fame. Tell me about that culture and how it fosters uh, better children, for lack of a better word, I well, guess. it does. I, I, I'm a strong believer, and I don't want to, I don't want to leave you with the focus, or, or with the feeling that the focus of Laura Secord is strictly arts, because it's not. I mean, uh, we do have all the academic programs and, and a lot of the tech programs as well that um, that relate to a well-rounded school but uh, an education in the arts to me is something that does make a well-rounded individual and uh, these these kids that are at our school and focused on the arts they're, they're just amazing and they're also the ones that are also uh, you know excelling in math and excelling in science and uh, you know writing amazing essays for their English teachers uh, it, it's incredible it's an incredible group of students that we have you find your pull in the community goes outside your 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 boundaries as far as the school goes you definitely people come from all over the city definitely I, I'm always floored uh, you you assume uh, for many years i assumed that you know the kids at our school are from our local neighborhood stops but, where the buses stop exactly but mm-hmm. uh, you you find out in talking to some of these kids that uh, you know one's coming from fawn hill one's coming from really? uh, welland um a lot now from nagra on the lake without nagra district uh, secondary school there as well absolutely yeah and maybe we'll talk about the merging of the school boards when we come back well we can talk about that <laughs> <laughs> mike balsam is my guest he is with laura secord and coach co is a volunteer media personality we'll talk to him for another segment and then we got councilman's winery in the house fabian reese will be with me he's the vinta vinticulturalist vinticulturalist got it we'll talk about the challenges they faced with the really cold weather that we've had this year and we're going out with one and only billy sadler this is michael wainwright sky's the limit on 610 cktv is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at Jim Fannin. Mike Balsam joins me today. He's a leader at Laura Secor Secondary School and also a media personality on Kojiko. Mike, we talked a little bit about 
friend of mine said the other day, well, the Green Party candidate, uh, not well, becoming a friend of mine, but uh, Clark you know, Bitter? yeah, Clark yeah. Bitter's taken an unpopular, semi-unpopular stance with, and the Green Party's also uh, always said, merge the school boards. We got too much duplication. We can save a billion dollars or more by merging them. There's no reason the Catholics, and I grew up Catholic, nothing against being Catholic. But we don't have Muslim schools. We don't have any other. Well, the faith issue killed is... John Tory uh, in that one provincial election when he started uh, talking about funding for those other uh, other mm. faith schools. Right. Um, my opinion, Jim, uh, there is a lot of duplication. There, there's certainly a lot of duplication, and um, it, it's it's quite ridiculous when you look at the levels of duplication and how much money could be saved by the merging of the two school boards. Um, you know, you mentioned Niagara on the Lake and what would have happened if we had one school board. Would Niagara District Secondary School still be open? Um, Parliament Oak right now, uh, a huge issue happening April 22nd when the decision should be coming down from the Accommodation Review Committee in the DSBN on whether or not to keep that school open and uh, shift those students to um, uh, Crossroads, the school that just opened two years ago that won't be big enough the way it is right now to accommodate the kids from Parliament Oak mm. if they're shifted there. So a lot of a lot of touchy issues. Certainly. And, and you know, as a teacher, and I'll say this, um, as a teacher with the DSBN, uh, I mean, we have to sell ourselves. And um, it surprises me how much energy I have to put into uh, my job. You mean competing against the Catholic Com- system? Yeah, competing well, against... Th- that's the story. The Catholic system's uh, better uh, uh, education system to be in. I, I, I don't see it, but I, I, I mean, that's the argument a long time. I don't see it at all. And uh, it's it just, uh, again, my energies should be focused on helping the teaching. students that are in my classroom. Leading, yeah. Teaching those kids. Um, I, I get a little bit frustrated that I have to plan an open house. I have to oh, be really? there for that open house. It's, it's three and a half hours of song and dance and i i I enjoy doing it Mm -hmm. i'm up on that stage as as you know me i I like a microphone Mm -hmm. so it's not something that bothers me but it amazes me how much energy we have to put forth to sell ourselves to convince kids almost being in the business of recruiting exactly i mean that's what we see in the states it's a huge issue as far as recruiting and we're talking about higher level education probably in in college and university but uh, you, you feel the same way right here in niagara exactly yeah. Mike Balsenham is my guest. Mike, tell me a little bit about your frustration with the Kojiko debate going not going off. Well, I mean, yeah, this is something you got to be looking forward to. As soon as they drop the writ, you got to exactly. be saying, "Okay, here's my date." I'm, exactly, because you, you've moderated all these debates before. I've moderated you. the debates uh, for the last, uh, I think, well, since I moved back into uh, this area 16 years ago. Yeah, um, renewed my connection with TV Kojiko. I've been doing all of the political debates, and uh, I was really looking forward to this. It was scheduled for this coming Thursday, February 6th. Uh, Daryl Day, the producer, and uh, Jack Custers at uh, still TV there. Eh? Jack good still crew. There. Yep. Uh, Jack is the program director, and uh, we threw out the uh, invitations uh, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago to all of the candidates. And as you know, our mandate as a public broadcaster, we include all the candidates. So there, right. are, there are eight candidates in this by-election, mm-hmm. and all eight would be there. Um, we heard back immediately uh, once Wayne Gates' name was uh, thrown in as the NDP candidate. Wayne. Definitely said he was interested. And uh, we were on the uh, fence waiting for uh, Joyce Morocco from the Liberals and uh, also Bart Maves from the uh, PCs. And uh, Joyce was the first one to uh, express her regrets. And uh, shortly after that, uh, it was Bart Maves who expressed his regrets. Uh, Daryl was was telling me that, you know, uh, when when we first heard from Joyce, he was hoping that he would hear from Bart and that say he was we're going in. to be. Yeah. Because, you know, we looked at the fact if Wayne was going to be there, if Bart was going to be there, it would be impossible for Joyce 
to not find time in her schedule. And to you'd be there. think for the liberals that the governing party right now that taking exactly. a lot of bows and arrows that she would want to be there to defend herself. I know the Kojiko debate isn't set up, the structure isn't set up so that you can go after it. It's more, you it, know, you answer the question and that's it. There's not a whole lot of debating time them, to go after each other. We do them extremely uh, structured. Uh, usually what we start out with is a minute to a minute and a half of an opening statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the questions. We, we roll through the questions. Um, we don't give the same person the chance to answer the question first. There sometimes is some back and Fourth, as far as one candidate re- replying Rebuttal. to something right. that the other candidate said previously, um, but no, we we keep it very structured. So there's there's never a chance really for someone to uh, I guess sort of steamroll over everybody else. Mm-hmm. So as I say, as a team, we're extremely disappointed that this uh, thing is not happening on February sixth. So what was your uh, parameters as far as your threshold? If uh, when was it canceled? When the Liberals and the Conservatives said no, you weren't going to ha- roll on a debate without That's them? That's it, yeah. January 28th uh, was when we... Um, so was it all candidates or nothing? Pretty or, much, yeah. yeah well, okay. you know, I guess, I have to be honest with you, I mean, if three of the fringe candidates wouldn't have shown up, sure. we would have probably gone okay. ahead. Right. Um, but certainly with the three major parties, we needed all three of them. To now, was this. this just a jobs debate? No, it okay, was not. Okay, because a, fr- I, yeah, see Gates framed it as, oh, we're going to discuss jobs here, and maybe that's what turned the other guys off. Maybe they have a weakness in the job or the economy department of their platform. I'm not sure, but I know Gates was really quick to yes. frame this. And it's it's funny, when someone's framing something, you, you just take it as gospel, right? You're yeah. like, oh, it's a jobs debate. Okay, I, I found that hard no, to believe. No, it would not have been a jobs debate. Uh, it would have been, uh, and, and often, the way we set these things up, uh, sometimes I generate the questions based on my research before that evening. Uh, so Sometimes we invite questions from uh, some stakeholders uh, in the region uh, to come up, or I should say in that uh, riding, to come up with some uh, questions. We we may have asked, uh, you know, Keith Yeo was here, we may have asked his uh, cohort in Niagara Falls mm-hmm. to, uh, to to chime in with a few questions. Uh, but no, we don't uh, usually focus on one particular topic. So right. uh, I can see, though, Wayne taking that and rolling with it, definitely. Sure. I mean, that's a strong point. So there's no, there's no way that we can revive this. It's done, and we can't bring it back this week with some miraculous uh, uh, inclusion of the two candidates. That Maybe said, one no. of them is listening right now and, uh, and will eventually change their mind. I'm not sure. I have to say, I do live in the riding. Okay. Uh, I live in Niagara on the Lake. Right. And uh, I do have to say that uh, Joyce Morocco's knocked on my door twice. Wow. Um, Bart Maves' team has knocked on my door, and Wayne Gates' team has knocked on my door. Um, in previous provincial elections, federal elections, I have not had that much exposure at my door. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is definitely a by-election that's being hard-fought. And uh, as you know... The leaders of those three parties really need to make a dent, and uh, this riding is is a huge focus. I'm not sure if the same focus is uh, taking place in Thornhill. I'm assuming Mm. it is, but we have three high-profile candidates with these uh, top three parties, and they are busting the stumps trying to get support. Mm. So I I do have to say that I I do believe that the three, or sorry, the two that uh, have, have said they can't make it on February 6th are busy. Well, certainly. There's always door knocking to do, but I mean, that's the least of my priorities. When I was a candidate, I want to be in front of the cameras and get get your, your takes out there. So I appreciate your time, Mike. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you got coming up at Laura Secord before we say goodbye to you. Well, all those students that uh, I was talking about, they're um, prepping right now for uh, our, our huge every second year musical. Uh, this year we're doing something different. The last uh, couple of years, uh, well, well, two years ago, we did something called Drowsy Chaperone, which uh. is a fairly new one. Uh, a few years before that, we did Urine Town. So we've, uh, we've, 
we we've built a uh, we have we've we've built a reputation for taking some risks uh, this year. Uh, we have Oklahoma. So wow. A complete turnaround. Yeah. Tracy Thorpe, uh, our uh, drama head, oh, it's very dramatic. Chose this yeah, one, nice. and uh, you know we have usually anywhere from two hundred to probably about three hundred kids involved in this production. Um, students, so you'd be getting a lot of pub from Peyton Manning today, exactly. Hey, yes. Oklahoma, exactly. <laughs> Omaha, Omaha. That's right. Wrong, wrong city, state, country. But uh, like really, our, Omaha, our, Oklahoma. Our <laughs> students build the sets. Our students uh, paint the sets. They design the sets. Um, obviously, um, involved in uh, all kinds of promotion. It's coming up February twentieth, twenty first, twenty second. Also uh, the twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and March first. Tickets for opening night ten bucks, and all other nights fifteen bucks for adults, twelve dollars uh, for students and seniors how many kids oh it's just like i say really anywhere from 200 to 300 every year involved in this production wow behind the scenes now one of my favorite moments every year during this musical is when they open the curtains and show the orchestra behind the stage oh cool because uh honestly the audience thinks the music is canned. Yeah. They don't believe that it's an orchestra. Well, you guys sound good, man. I saw you live with Wainwright down at Lockview School, and very oh. impressive for your Christmas concert well, down there. Dave Sisler's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, Dave Sisler's the best music teacher in Ontario, if not all of Canada. Nice job, Michael. Thank you, Jimmy. Thanks well for having done. me on. Well done. Anytime. Mike Balsam is my guest. Thank you to him. Keithio Mwanzia was in. Next up, well, the, ba- the Black Flies are here. They're going to do another song when we come back. They're going to do an interview with me at 145. We're going to pimp out everything musical that they've got going on. But next, Fabian Reese is the winemaker at Konzelman. Romeo Mealy is the vineyard manager. We'll talk to them about everything wine when we come back on 610 CKTB. This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at 61010. I am Jim Fannin. They are the Black Flies. Thank you, boys. We'll bring you in at 145 and get a little idea of what you guys are up to. Right now, we're going to talk to the guys from Councilman, Fabian Reese, the winemaker, Romeo Mealy. Mealy. Sorry, I'm I'm Irish. Come closer to the mic, Romeo. Uh, Are in studio. Tell us about the... Uh, the hazards of super cold weather that we've been experiencing and how is it affecting some of the wineries and not so much yours, I hear. You guys have protected yourself against it? Yes, actually, um, our winery, 
especially by the lake. Obviously, it's warmer by the lake. Right. So we're having more uh, more control with just Mother Nature. She's helping us with the, you know, obviously it's uh, not as cold by the lake. More temperate conditions. It's more moderating, yes. Moderate. And on our other location, uh, East West Line, we're using wind machines. But the funny thing is, it's been so windy and cold that we didn't need to turn them on. Hmm. So we haven't experienced a really severe minus, you know, 25 type of uh, devastating temperature as some wineries have had or uh, vineyard vineyard growers mm-hmm. but uh, our actually our temperatures have been bad enough and it's constantly cold and that's what is very hard on the vines on the buds but so far uh, we've been uh, taking a look and assessing the damage and we've been doing pretty good for survival we actually have a, a quite a bit uh, better of a survival rate than many of the growers nearby. No, and, Clark Bitter was in town with Mike Schreiner, the leader of the GPO campaigning, and got a stop at, at your winery. Said something about fortifying the ground. Uh, uh, yes, uh, I'll elaborate uh, on that. Yeah. Basically, you know, I'm always looking how to improve our vintage. And uh, funny thing is, uh, how about just going straight to the ground? What can you do to improve the ground, the soil? Right. And so, to that ends for the last seven years uh, with uh, Herbert's blessing. Herbert is the owner. Uh, he's allowed me to go on sort of an experimental type, uh, you know, roaming about, you might say. Okay. And uh, anyways, I've contacted one of the uh, better uh, men to help me in this regards for the soil, uh, might say soil remineralization, uh, Paul Leeds. I call him my soil doctor since soil health is number one. Yeah. And uh, everyone wants to drink wine that comes from healthy soil. Because it's just going to taste better, if nothing else. Sure. And along with a better taste, you have a, a better quality of mineralization. For example, Italy's great for wines because the soil's volcanic. It's full of minerals. Right. And uh, even though our soils are good here, uh, there's a lot you can do to improve it. And uh, whatever we can do to control uh, a better outcome, we do. And, uh, and, I, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to meet Paul Leeds. Uh, that guy's great. Honestly, he's more important than my family doctor. <laughs> Especially for business. And yes. Romeo Mielli is the vineyard manager, and I'm joined by Fabian Reese as well, the winemaker. Fabian, tell me about your time in Niagara and what you do down at Councilman. Well, thank you for having us, Jim. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, well, I'm the winemaker. I'm actually the sixth generation uh, family member as well from the uh, Consman family. Oh, straight uh, from Ireland? Straight from uh, Germany. <laughs> okay, oh, dude, shoot. I thought Consman was an Irish name. No, no, German name. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Herbert Consman is actually my, my grandfather. And uh, I was away for a few years in, in Europe to do some education uh, for, for winemaking and viticulture. And I've officially joined the company uh, as my third year now. And... Uh, making the wine and working with Romeo, who is my, I like to say, my left hand and my right hand. So right. We work, uh, we're a really strong team together, our whole company, and uh, of course the vineyard manager and the winemaker work very closely together, and that's our that's our main objective. Now I can imagine what the vineyard manager does, but talk to me about yes. the, what the winemaker, what's your role specifically? My role uh, is, to, is to, I always say, it's to maintain the quality of the raw material that's coming in from the vineyard to the winery. Okay. So it all starts outside in the vineyards. 
my mm-hmm. objective is to keep the quality inside the the winery and to make my wine. I mean, you can change the style of the wine, but maintain the quality is the main objective. So you're not creative. You're not uh, creating products. You're not uh, you know splicing breeds or anything like that. You're yeah. just quality control. Quality control is important for me and uh, and the company. I mean, we made a lot of a lot of new additions in the, in the last few years uh, by uh, working with new press systems, a new press as well as new technology and uh we're we're doing extremely well in that and uh that's our that's our main focus is to keep uh, growing in quality now either one of you can answer this i'm not sure uh which but what are some of the challenges that you face being in niagara i know vqa has done a lot to expose you not just in this country but outside of the country Uh, we've heard a lot of talk about uh you know being able to sell on site about being limited at the the lcbo what are some of the limitations or hurdles that you guys have here in niagara that you may not have outside of this community well, i'd like to start off with that jim um basically uh, challenges in our industry are many but uh like i said we try to focus on the things we can control and uh, as a winery we're trying to produce the best quality wine we can and uh, we like to think because uh, we are a leader one of the leaders in uh, wine quality production in canada and basically everything we do is towards that aim to produce a great quality wine and that means making for sure that our soils are rich in nutrients that is the overall basic tenet of our thinking because if you don't have a good raw material it doesn't matter if the VQA or whatever in this industry changes or is modified we're still going to have a problem in our own winery because the quality will be lacking if we don't have what we need in the soil. Tell me something about uh, how you guys have gone. I I don't know that this is true, but I see you guys as a leader in the community as far in all kinds of aspects, but certainly wine. What have you done that normally has been traditional for fortifying the ground that you've gone away from a new technology, new approaches? Thank you. That's a good question. Uh, We're using right now non-conventional methods. And for the last seven years is when I started on this new So your fertilizers are not yes. nitrogen-based? Well, our fertilizers are natural-based fertilizers. Okay. We believe in remediating the soil with only non-conventional, meaning you know, non-chemical. Right. And then we do the same with our foliar sprays. We're, we're applying hmm. natural foliar feeds through the whole season. And then again, uh, we use animal fertilizers. And right. in the fall time, we use a residue spray, which is basically... We put down molasses, carbon, uh, fish, fish byproducts, right. and uh, uh, friendly bacteria, which grows. Back guano. You won't believe the difference. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you, Jim. Uh, well, it's certainly got to give the know, grapes an earthier feel if oh, you're getting away from nitrogen. The, the, the vines are Amazonian Absolutely. green. Uh, the bunches are so healthy. Actually, I was afraid because it was very, very difficult in the beginning with all these changes. But now I look back, and I'm just looking forward to the future. And now that Fabian's here, Jim, Fabian with his experience, his background, I'm really excited. And so is Herbert Konzelman, his grandfather and owner. And oh. together... We're a team. The whole winery at Councilman has one aim because we keep repeating to everybody, remember, we're here to do one thing, is to produce a quality wine and love doing it. Nice. Do you want to chime in on that, Fabian? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about, do you feel like you guys are getting ripped off a little bit on the ice wine? Here we have a perfect little community here. We're, we're producing a specialty product that the Chinese, Japanese, the Europeans are, are scooping up. And now I hear that the Chinese have said, screw that, we can make it with wine juice. We'll just copy you guys. <laughs> you know, you see a, any invasion into your market that you used to own by the Europeans or the Asians by just saying, oh, we can make this way cheaper. We don't need to freeze grapes at minus 25 degrees. That's a great question, actually, Jim. And uh, to that question it's it's all based again as we mentioned before it's all quality right and mm. and, and and we as a company or as consulman we've been known for making ice wines that are absolutely world-class ice wines and uh, looking at the wine spectator in 2007 we actually won the world's best ice wine which made us one of the Good first wineries in canada to be under the 100 top wineries or wines nice. in the world and it is it's just natural having your your grapes freeze on the vine, it's a natural effect of Mother Nature then to, uh, versus taking the grapes and putting them into a freezer or, or making it uh, um, like just in a fake way, right, I want to say. So uh, for us, I, I think personally, we did a little bit less uh, ice wine this year in, in quantity. Uh, we're trying to maintain the quality that we're doing and also the quantity that we're producing. Um, there's some difficult challenges that are going to be coming more and more in the industry, but uh, our main focus is to work on our winery and just... Keep working at that. Equality. Cool. Any events coming up? How do we get a hold of you? How, do, how can uh, we support your wine? Uh, it's our, our, uh, our homepage uh, email address is uh, consulman.ca. Right. And you can find us in Niagara on the Lake. Right on Lakeshore Road. Right on Lakeshore Road, right by the lake. Nice. I really appreciate you guys. We're really stacked today, but I appreciate you coming in on short notice. Thank you, Thank you Clark Bitter, for setting it up and for coming out and giving you guys some pub. Uh, Mike Schreiner's obviously got to be a friend of yours with the you yes. know the whole green technology and unconventional ways of fortifying the soil and stuff soil. So I appreciate your time. We'll get you back in. I promise when we can spend a half an hour or maybe an hour and talk about all things Consulman grapes. I am Jim Fan, and we do this live Sunday at noon. To two every day. Coming up next, rock stars in the house. Black flies after this on 610 CKDB. We're chilling so smooth, sipping drinks at the beach down. Me, my guitars, you are rich, we can reach. And we climb real high in that big bright sky now. I remember good times, remember good This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at 61010. Oh, God, gone blinded by the sun, waiting on the time, waiting just to feel right. I'm, I'm always on your mind, keep waiting on that sun. You got a picture on the wall Telling lots of stories Waiting on yours to make it in time You're waiting on that summer night Well, you're waiting on that summer light I'm Jim Fannin. My thanks to the Black Flies. Well done, boys. We got Jay, Chris, Jeremy, and Nathaniel in the booth. Jay, maybe you can start off just by telling us who you guys are and what the hell are you guys playing here? What do you call it? Roots? Uh, Folk? Country? uh, What? Folk rock. And uh, our uh, new CD, we actually named it Roots and Roll, because that kind of describes the sound of the band. A little bit of the Roots music, and uh, we do get a little heavier, so that's the roll side. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we're from uh, Niagara Falls. We just put out our third CD, and we're just trying to do whatever we can to promote the music. Uh, just an indie band, so it means we don't have any uh, money behind us or whatever. Just uh, you know, gig whenever doing we can and try can. to promote doing things like this. How much did Kasha throw together, produce, and cut, and put it in plastic the, and everything, make it look all pretty like this uh, one? The budget for the new album, the recording, was uh, f- uh, 5000 for the recording, which was our biggest budget so far, which is pretty small, but for us that was quite a bit. It took us a while to save up the cash. And uh, then the manufacturing and artwork and everything was about another 1000 after that. And uh, we, we just ran like a limited amount, and then... Uh, you know, we've already had to uh, go back and get some more copies made, but nice. we're all selling them online. They're on iTunes and CD Baby, Amazon, every so, every site you, you can uh, download music from. We're, we're so on the there. ROI for you guys, the return on investment's got to be huge as far as uh, it's got to take you a long time to pay for an album that costs you yeah, just yeah. Up, almost ten grand to put yeah, out. Yeah. So you got to sell what a lot of ten dollars CDs. How much are these things yeah, going yeah, for? Yeah, ten bucks, thirteen yeah. songs, and same thing. Downloads are ten dollars. And uh, we actually did a Indiegogo fundraising campaign to help us pay for the manufacturing portion. That's right, and so, successfully too, because you see some of these Indiegogos and these financing campaigns that never reached their goal. You guys actually matched it. Yeah, we actually went over the goal, which was nice because then you get to keep a larger uh, portion of the money. If uh, if you reach your goal, you, they only take four percent oh. off of it, and uh, we went a little over the thousand. So hmm. uh, we had you know the little perks that we had to give to everyone, uh, including. We still owe people a couple uh, live acoustic house party <laughs> shows. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I did videos for a few people and uh, CDs and shirts and everything. But, but it was great that we had a great response, even from people from uh, Germany and Switzerland and uh, people that we don't know, obviously. So that was pretty cool. What do you guys got coming up for shows? Um, we're playing uh, at the Kilton Clover in Beamsville. Okay. And uh, we also have a show in March at the Merchant Ale House for a local show yep um we're planning on trying to get outside of the town this uh year playing shows like the horseshoe or in hamilton horseshoe tavern's been getting a lot of local acts uh, uh, what's what i know the draw of the horseshoe tavern we all know legendary yeah, I think. Isn't yeah that where the stones f- rolled in one time and played yeah. uh just uh, uh impromptu gig but uh are they taking a more local look a more independent look at their performers or are you guys just lucky enough to be good enough to get in there uh, no, I think they've always uh, done that. Pretty much, a lot of the uh, Ontario bands can uh, get in. They have uh, they have a new music night Tuesday night. Uh, Tuesday night. Yeah. Okay. We we did a thing a couple of years ago where uh, we had a Niagara night up there. We actually had uh, there was like three bands from the falls mm-hmm. went up. We rented a bus and loaded up with people and yeah. So we, you know maybe we'll do that same Horseshoe thing Tavern. Again. When are you yeah. guys in there? Uh, we don't have that one booked yet, okay. but that's that's we're gonna work on that this summer and try and get on some. Uh, few of the festivals we're working on a couple of those nothing uh confirmed yet we're playing at the in the soil festival okay for, right that uh, one's confirmed yet yeah, yeah actually we're at the merchant Ale house for that one that's uh in april now in the soil here's another organic well for lack of a better term an organic community-based uh, music almost like scene i mean scenes right. a little larger now but in in the soil how's that grown have you seen it grown over the years uh, I think it has. I think this is, uh, I'm not sure if uh, Joe could maybe text in and correct me, Joe Lipinski, if I'm wrong. I think this is the third or maybe fourth in the yeah. soil now. Uh, I believe we, we've done we've done two, I think, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure. You kind of lose track. But within the soil, is great, too, because they also do uh, art and film and basically any oh. type of uh, artistic 
uh, performance that you're involved with. They have a, a segment on that, but we're obviously in the live music. Yeah, now you guys, I know, are, you might be political, but you're certainly not politicians. So your songs have some political slants to them as well. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you'd like to see the community do to tap into this natural resource. I, and consider you guys a natural resource, man. Right, this is right. a good way to make money. Maybe not a great way to make money, a little up and down. And you're subject to the ebbs and flows of the market and, and who you know and who you meet and stuff like that. But what would you mm-hmm. like to see us do locally, either in St. Catharines or Niagara, Niagara Falls, as far as promoting local talent? What, what do you think we can do? Like, first of all, we've got this great grape and wine uh, festival down here. I've been yeah. a little bit critical. You know, I don't want to see an Elton John cover band. <laughs> I want to see Black Flies. I want to see My Son in a Hurricane. And not at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when no one's in the park. I want to see you featured. Yeah, We're going to open yeah. a brand new spectator uh, facility here. Yeah. I think that we could do something to promote local talent. Uh, but one of my musician friends says, well, maybe not a local band night, but you should have a policy that if Dallas Green comes and plays this new facility, the Meridian Center, then you have all the local acts got to be local to open for him. He can't bring his own local act. Yeah, Any I, thoughts I would like on how that. At least even, even if he does have an opener on tour with them or whoever's going to be playing there, maybe you know stick someone in first for at least 30 minutes to get the exposure. But uh, there, there are... Uh, yeah, I mean, having b- bigger festivals would be great. I know the one in uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake, they've done a couple shows there. Like, you know, if, if uh, like like you said, if they could kind of uh, force an original band in there, I think people would like it. We have done Grape and Wine. We played uh, uh, the park a couple years ago. But, yeah, we were on at, you know, 6 o'clock and hmm. in the pouring rain. So, But, but it was all right. <laughs> we, we were still there and yeah. playing our original music. and Just on the way out, friends. Jay, tell me who you are, who you get to say thanks to, and any props will go around the horn and finish up over here. I'd like to thank Jim Fannin for having us. Uh, oh, that's why show. I led you into yeah. that question. <laughs> in musical influences, teachers, uh, rock stars that you've kind of modeled yourself after, I don't know, somebody you're grateful for that got you to this stage? Uh, I don't know. I think I just, uh, I'm really appreciative just of uh, the, the local scene. There's so many great musicians around. That, like, I know you know about a lot of them, but uh, we're always inspired by each other because everyone, uh, we do really help each other out a lot with with shows and events and promoting and mm-hmm. like we played last night in the falls and there was you know other bands coming out to hang out taps brewery support at yeah, taps yeah well done taps. go I, ahead who are you i'm nathaniel gould and uh big influence to me as well are a lot of friends in the area um i'm good friends with a lot of musicians in the area aaron Berger, uh the book for wonders nice um there's a lot of good talent in the area to uh kind of take from and jam with and that but big influences are we i would say neil young um matt mays for a modern sound okay uh but i usually stay to the folk side of things yeah chris who are you oh sorry i'm jeremy jeremy um chris <laughs> you're chris you're jeremy. <laughs> jeremy who jeremy Voki. All um, from Niagara Falls. Who do from you, Niagara Falls, yeah. Who are you grateful for? Who you kind of uh, grateful for here? music in general? The listeners, the people that make it. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Dean Malton for making these records with us, and uh, our good friend Graham High for doing all our guitar work and stuff, and yeah. uh, just our friends and family. They've they've always been very supportive. Mom and Dad, I always like to get a shout out. Who's <laughs> going to say, "Well, my mom and dad for born in me, Chris"? <laughs> yeah, Chris Shadobiak. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to thank. My uh, my parents and my wife for putting up with all the, the noise that I've made in the house playing. The you guys aren't married years. because you missed that one. Yeah, you're getting yeah. someone you get home, Chris. <laughs> yeah, Jay's <laughs> not. Jay's in trouble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just the uh, yeah, and the whole music community. You know what I mean? Like, uh, met a lot of great people around. Yeah. Like, throughout all the different bands, 
and even people who are, aren't in the bands who are always there. You know, you see these, these same people at all the events that keep on coming out to support uh, support local music. And also, you know, your show for having us in here. Well, I'm desperate. <laughs> I am Jim Fannin as we go out with... I told... I said I wouldn't say I am your Sunday scrub today, so maybe this is the last time we'll introduce... I'm getting so much feedback. Stop it! You're not a scrub! Stop saying you're a scrub! So, Davey, we're going to have to delete this song after we're done. I am Jim Fan, and we'll see you next week at noon. We're working back in the days, and Cardinals are booked. Have a great, safe Super Bowl Sunday. I hemp you. I'm Just out. How cool.